just glad they asked me to come, right? Have you ever forgotten something important? Have you ever forgotten something that was important? You know what I'm talking about? I don't mean like a little thing. How many of you would consider yourself forgetful sometimes by a show of hands? You're like, yeah, sometimes I just forget. Sometimes it doesn't matter, but sometimes it does matter. Stephen Thomas is a programmer in San Francisco, and he has two guesses left to figure out a password that is worth over $175 million. See, the password will let him unlock a small hard drive that he locked up some Bitcoin on back in the day and wrote down the password somewhere and forgot it. And, and the type of, of, of hard drive it is, it gives you 10 chances to try. And if you mess up all 10 times, it encrypts the data never to be unlocked again. So you can imagine the sleepless nights he's had trying to remember. Come on, how many of you, how many of you have ever forgot a password before? <laughs> How many of you are honest, you, you use the same password for the last 10 years. It's the same one on everything. Okay, we're looking who we could hack after the service today. <laughs> See, I, I don't know if it's, if it's passwords that we forget, but I think that sometimes we forget things and sometimes those things that we forget matter. And I think about this Mr. Thomas that forgot his passwords and got only two more chances. And sometimes I look and go like, how in the world could that guy forget something that matters so much? But do you know this, that the, the, the people that are involved in that, um, that Bitcoin, cryptocurrency type stuff, they say that uh, up to 20% of all Bitcoin are right now on hard drives or thumb drives that are lost or somebody, they've never been in circulation. They got given once and then that's it. So 20%. And it's something like, it, I forget, I wrote down the, how much it, it's worth uh, $140 billion worth of Bitcoin is on lost hard drives. And I, I think like, man, like, have I ever forgotten something that mattered that much to me? Let me just share a scripture with you in Psalm 103, verse 2. Psalm 103, verse 2 says this. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not his benefits. Forget not what matters the most. See, I think that God knew that you and I would be forgetful people. That, that just by nature, that we would forget things that sometimes we ought not forget. Sometimes we forget things and it doesn't matter, but other times it matters more. Let me just tell you, I've forgotten things that matter. Um, I, in fact, I, I can recall one time when my wife and I, before I became a pastor, I was a youth pastor, um, and we went to youth camps every year. We go to like three different youth camps. Anybody here ever been to youth camp before? I mean, youth camps, anybody's life changed at a youth camp and man, you, you encountered the Holy Spirit and God. So we had some great times at youth camp and, and I raised my family in the house of God and doing ministry along with me. And so I remember one year we were at camp and, and everything had went well. We finished up the camp. Our, the, the camp directors were good friends of ours. So we stayed after, we stayed late to clean up the camps, get everything. Everything finished. Everybody else had left. It was just us there. We finally get finished. And our camp was up on a mountaintop. And um, we drove down from the mountain all the way to the bottom. It's about a 30, 40 minute drive. We get down to the bottom. We get stopped to get gas somewhere. And while we're getting gas, someone says, where's Stephanie? And some of you are like, I have no idea who Stephanie is. Stephanie's my middle daughter. And, and, 
we, we had left her up at the campground by herself and driven 30 minutes down the hill to get gas somewhere and everybody started looking around and we're frantic now. Where's Stephanie? And Stephanie at this time is probably, I don't know how old she is, maybe six or seven years old. She's, she's pretty young. And she's up on this mountain by herself. And it's, you know, like you can imagine being up on a mountain. There's like a, uh, this playground there with a swing set. And, it's, and I'm pictured in my mind, it's just Stephanie. She's up there. We left her somewhere. I hope she's still alive. You know, the hatchet man lives up in the mountains. And I'm, wor- I'm starting worrying about what's going on. And so we drive as fast as we can back up to the mountain. And I can tell you this. We get up there. And there's a playground area with swings. And Stephanie, by herself, she's just sitting there swinging on her swing. Like, like everything is good, no problems at all whatsoever. And she was safe, but let me just tell you that. I don't advise losing your children. It's a rough feeling, y'all. I mean, I take some, you know, I take some something because Jesus' parents lost him, so I don't feel necessarily as bad is what I could have, but I, I just came today, I guess, to tell you that I, I think that God knew that we would be people that forget, and sometimes we forget the most important things. One of the, one of the things that we do is we forget how much God has done for us, and we find ourselves, I think like Dallas was mentioning this, he said, sometimes we keep on asking and keep on asking and keep on asking, and sometimes we just need to stop talking. And I would say this, if we maybe would stop talking, we'd remember some of the good things that God has already done for us us, right? In fact, I think that prayer should be, yeah, that exchange that happens in prayer, part of it should be us just starting by saying, God, thank you so much. You've been so, so good to me. Man, when I just stop to consider how good God has been, it does something in me. But God, he knew that we would be forgetful people, and it's not just us. I mean, the children of Israel that he did so much for. And I don't know about you, but I read scripture sometimes and I watch what he does for the children of Israel and I'm blown away by how good he is and how quick they forget about how good he is. But you know, in scripture over 20 times, God refers to himself, to the children of Israel, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. In other words, he doesn't just say, I'm the Lord your God. He says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Remember, so he keeps on reminding them of something that he did for them in the past. And the reason why is because the human condition is such that we forget about the goodness of God and what God has done. We all take on the Janet Jackson mentality of what have you done for me lately? You know what I mean? And we forget about all the good things God has done. Let me say this. If you've been serving God for more than a year or two, God has shown himself faithful to you. Back in the day, he's shown you. Year after year, he shows himself faithful to you. He's a good, good God. My message is simple today. It's just we need to do better at remembering how good he is and what he's done for us. Man, we're so caught up always in the next thing that that God is going to do for us that we sometimes fail to remember what God has already done for us. Think about how good God is. I think as believers, we have a duty to remember how good God is and talk about how good God is. In fact, I would say one of the things that we're lacking in culture today is enough of people talking about how good God is. I think that we could have more of an impact on culture if we would just begin to share how good God is and the things that God does for us. We've got the information. It's time for us to begin to share it. I want to read to you an account in scripture about 
um, helping people to remember things. It's found in the book of Joshua, uh, chapters three and four. I'll give you a little back, background before I just jump in and start reading. But um, at this time that the Israelites um, had been set free from Egypt. In fact, they had been set free from slavery in Egypt 40 years ago. And they've wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. And it's time for them to move from the wilderness of wandering into the promised land that God had promised them 40 years ago. And, and Moses has died, and there's a new leader that's raising up, and his name is Joshua. And, and, and Joshua is raising up to lead the people, and God gives some specific instructions on how they're going to go from the wilderness area into the promised land. Can I just say this? We can't just get to the promised land that God has for us any old way. We got to follow the rules. We got to follow the instruction. We got to do what God says for us to do. What I've found is it, it, it makes the path so much quicker, easier, better if we would just choose to partner with God and what God says instead of trying to get there on our own. So many of us, we try to make our own way to the promised land, but God gives specific instructions to Moses. Joshua chapter 3, let me read to you a few verses. Joshua chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites, they set out from Shittim and they went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. And after three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. Listen to the orders they gave to the people. It said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Let me just pause right here for a second. He says, if you want to get where I'm leading you, you've got to follow the priests that are carrying the presence. I know that it doesn't say presence. It says they're carrying the ark of the Lord. But the ark of the covenant, the ark of the Lord, was where the presence of God lived. It's where it resided. So when he tells them, when you see the priests, start moving, follow the presence of God. Let me just pause and tell you that today, that one of the greatest things you and I can learn, one of the greatest lessons that you and I can learn is to just simply follow the presence of God. In other words, go where he's moving. Go where he goes. Sometimes we get caught up in trying to ask God to come and bless what we're doing. Come on, somebody. We're like, oh, God, I'm trying to work this out. Would you come on over and bless this thing I got going over here? And God says, I've already given you instruction. Why don't you just follow where I'm already moving? Instead of trying to create something over there, just get on board and follow where I'm already headed. See, God's got purpose and plans and path for us. And it always entails us following after the presence of God. God, come and just move for me. How about this? God has a plan. He says, come to me. Come, come to me and, and I'll take care of you. Here's, here's another thing that stood out to me in those verses. The carriers of the presence of God led the way. The carriers of the presence of God. Let me say it again. The people who carried the presence of God were the leaders. They led the way. Oh, it is my prayer today that our culture would stop chasing, that we as a church would learn to stop chasing after culture. And instead that we would, the people that carry the presence, come on somebody, would begin to lead the way rather than chase after everything that's already going on. The problem is right now we've got schools, we've got politics, we've got all these things with, that people without the presence of God are leading. And, the, and, and it's not their fault, it's the church's fault. 
Y'all all right today? I know I just, I didn't even introduce myself. I just jumped in today. I just started preaching. I just, I only have so much time, so I just got to get into it. All right? But let me, I'm just, I just, I, I want us to understand. You and I, if you are a believer, how many in here, you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're a believer. You're a follower of Jesus. You're, you're okay, a good amount of you. So that's all right. The rest of y'all, you're going to have an opportunity here in a little bit. If you are a believer, the Bible says that the very Spirit of God that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you, lives on the inside of you. In the Old Testament, the presence of God was in the Ark of the Covenant. In the New Testament, the presence of God is in the people. So I would just say this. It's time for the people that are carriers to start to lead the way. Come on, it's time for you to start to lead the way in your household. You carry something, it's significant, it matters, then start to lead the way. Come on, you carry something in the church, and some of you do great at carrying and leading in the church, but it's time we reach outside the church, right? That we don't just lead in the church, but we lead in culture. It's time for, 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 for spirit-filled believers to be politicians and school teachers and principals, and it's time for us to lead the way. Why? Because we carry something. And, and, and we'll find out here in a second, like, if, if you'll lead because you carry the presence of God, if you'll actually step up and lead, you'll not just benefit you and your household, but you'll benefit so many other people by taking the lead. In fact, they need us to lead. In fact, they're struggling because we're not leading, right? If you let people lead that aren't filled with the presence of God, it's going to be a struggle where they're leading. And our nation, our cities, they're hurting right now. And a big reason why is because the people who carry the presence stop leading. We stop leading the charge. And, and I'm just here to remind you today, hey, it's important for us to step up and lead, to, 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 take, to take the steps that God has given us. So here's the thing. The priests are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. I don't have time to read you the whole story today, but the Bible says that they go up to the edge of the Jordan River. They, they go right to the edge of it, and they look at the water. And, it's, and it's, the Bible says that it's at flood stage. Don't you know whenever God calls you something, it seems like all hell breaks loose and it's at flood stage? <laughs> you know what I mean? Some of you are like, that's my life, Pastor. It's at flood stage all the time. It seems like constantly I'm dealing with, you know, flood stage stuff. It says that they get to the edge of the water and they stop. And I, I, I wonder myself, like, what are they thinking when they get to the edge of that water? And the, the water does not part when they get to it. It's still raging, more than ever before probably. I'm assuming that it got even stronger. White caps were popping up. Everything was going, wind was blowing. Everything was happening, and they're looking at it. Do you know when the, the water actually parted? When they took a step into it. And, and in fact, like one, one translation says that when they stepped into it, it didn't all the way part. It just parted as deep as they stepped. Right, and, and, and then the next step, they, they, it parted a little bit more. And it didn't part all the way until they got all the way down into the middle of it. And I just wonder how often right, God will move up to our obedience and willingness to take a step. And we're over here on the shore talking about, oh, God, we need you to move. Come on, God, and do something. Right? And God is like, if you would just take a step, I'll, it, it'll start. Or, or we're like, oh, if I... I Right? We dip that toe, and we expect, what? Everything's going to happen. It doesn't happen. Just barely, the water parts right there. 
Come on, God is moving up to the level of your obedience and my obedience. And if we would carry the presence of God and step where he tells us to step, we'll, we'll find God moving and miracles happening and stuff going, oh man, he's good. You have to take a step. That's a pattern all through scripture, you know. Not just in this story is, is that a pattern. You remember the 10 lepers that came to Jesus and they, they wanted to be made well? They're all like spots all over them and stuff all happening that they come to Jesus. He's like, we need to be well. And Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests. And the Bible in fact says on the way to show themselves to the priests, they get healed. So in other words, when Jesus told them, go show yourself to the priest, nothing had happened yet. They still just as leprous as they were before. But God says, go, Jesus says, go, go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. This is a pattern of him. He is waiting for us to take the step. What about when Jesus turned water to wine? He tells them, like, go fill up those 20, 30-gallon jars. Fill them up to the top with water. And the Bible says the guys that carried the jars then took some out and started walking it over to the governor or the one who was running the party and said, I want him to taste this wine. But when they dipped it out, it was simply water. But they had to begin walking with water before it turned to wine. Sometimes there is a season of walking with water before we get the miracle, before we get the wine, right? And he says, just go on and walk with water. Oh, man, I got to get to my main point. Josh, let's move. What time? All right, let's move to the, the fourth chapter, Joshua chapter four. It says this in the, the first three verses. I'm going to read the first three verses, then we're going to skip to verse number six. I'm going to read it all together, and then we're going to jump back and talk about it in a minute. Joshua chapter four, verse one. It says, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua... Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe, and tell them to take 12 stones from the very place where the priests were standing in the middle of the Jordan and carry them out and pile them up at the place where you're going to camp tonight. And then verse 6, it says, we, we will use these stones to build a memorial. Everybody say a memorial. We'll use these stones to build a memorial. And in the future, when your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. And these stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Verse 6. So, uh, verse 8, so the men did as Joshua had commanded them. And they took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them to the place where they camped for the night, and they constructed a memorial there. Verse 9, Joshua also set up another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing, and they are still there to that day. Joshua gives them instruction to build a memorial. In fact, two memorials, but I'll get to that. He tells them, I want you to build a memorial. Why? Because memorials do two things. If you, if you want to write, if you're a note taker, write this down. If you got something to write with, go ahead and write this down. Take your phone out, write it down. Do you know the Bible says that if you take notes, you got a better chance of making it to heaven if you, than if you didn't? It doesn't really say that. I just made it up. Um, Memorials do two things. Number one, write it down. Memorials help us remember. 
You're like, well, pastor, that was deep right there. (laughs) Like we understand what the word memorial means. It's a remembrance, right? Memorials help us to remember. Joshua says to take 12 stones and pile them up in the middle of where they're going to camp that night. This is significant. I I want you to grab a hold of this. He says, I want you to build the memorial in the camp where you're gonna sleep tonight. Put it in the middle of the camp where people are gonna have to pass by it. I want them to walk by it and I want them to remember what I've done. These stones will help the people remember what God has done. I read this and I think, why would I need a memorial to remember what God did today? I know that later it says when your children ask you down the road, but but he didn't say just build this up later so your kids would know about it. He says, put it in the camp where you're going to sleep tonight. Because people, even if I do something great for them, it's like it only takes a moment for them to forget what I've done for them. And I read this, I'm like, why did they need a memorial the very night that Jesus did this miracle? And then I start thinking about all the things that God has done for me. The prayers that I've prayed, prayed, the prayers that I've prayed, that then he answers, and I quickly forget it was God and take the credit for it myself. Right? Oh, I'm so sorry. I got that job. You know, I, I killed that interview. I slayed it. I went in there and I did, yeah, I did this, this. No, no, it wasn't you. It's the God you've been praying to and crying out for that he would move and go before you and give you favor in that. And yet we go through that thing and we're talking about like come back talking to our wife like, oh, baby, you would have been so proud of me. I did everything. I, I shined in that interview. They couldn't help but offer. They offered me more money I was even asking for, right? We take credit sometimes for what God is doing. So God says, no, put these stones up where you're going to sleep tonight. So you'll remember, you'll remember from day one that it wasn't you. It was always God working. It wasn't you that's done it. It's always God that's been moving. The favor on your life, it's not because of you. Come on, say, oh, this is a word for somebody. The favor that is on your life is not because of how good you are, how, how, how shiny you are. The favor on your life is simply the move of the Holy Spirit on your life because he's got purpose and desire and plans for you. So stop taking credit for the favor of God on your life and start giving honor to the one that is worthy of honor. Man, he says, put, put it right there so they would, they would remember. Man, pe- we, we forget, people forget. So much we forget. It's not just us, y'all. People have been forgetting for a long time. I, 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 I was reading and studying on the, um, the crucifixion of Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. And something that stood out to me in the, the story of Jesus on the cross is who was there. Or, or I, I should probably reference it by saying, who was not there? You know, the Bible depicts Jesus there on the cross and what he went through for you and for me. And it talks about who was there amongst the people. You know who was there? John, the beloved, his mom, and then some other people. It wasn't, it wasn't like everybody was there. It wasn't like all the disciples were there. John was there, Jesus' mother, and then some few people were there. But not everybody was there. And I I read that and I think like, what about the 5,000 people you fed with that boy's lunch? That was a miracle. Where were they at when you were on the cross? What about Lazarus? Oh, come on, somebody. He raised Lazarus from the dead, right? 
and Lazarus is not at the cross with him there. You know why? Because we forget all too often because our lives are busy and we go on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So God sent me here today just to tell you, think back and remember all of the good things that God has done for you. For it is the foundation of your faith. It's where you can stand and, and, and put your hope and trust in God. Oh man, it's, it, it, he's so good. Do you remember how good he is? Come on, church, do you remember how good our God is? All right, we, I, don't, I have no idea what time I'm supposed to finish, so I'm just going to jump into the verse 9. Verse 9 says, says this. says, Joshua, I read it to you, but I'm going to read it again. Joshua also set up another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the priests who had carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing, and they're there to this day. So think about it, and, and I had never saw this before. I thought they only made one memorial because the way that some translations phrase it, it sounds like they just made the one memorial, but it was actually two memorials that they made. One was set up in camp that was in the promised land. And where was the other one set up? Right in the middle of the Jordan. Do you know why there's two memorials set up? Because God knows our nature. We're the kind of people that say like, I just want to talk about how good he is in the promised land. Come on, somebody. I just want to talk about how, what he did over here and how he fixed this and fixed that, and that's all I'm ever going to talk about. But if we can just get real, God didn't just love us in the promised land. He showed up for us in the middle. Come on, he showed us for us in the struggle, when we, when we were fighting to get through, when we couldn't get through. You, you know what happened? In the promised land, it's all good, man. Everybody can thank God in the promised land. Where the rubber meets the road is how well do you remember and how well do you praise God in the middle? In the middle of struggle, in the middle of hardship, in the middle before it happened. See, in the middle is where real life is. In the middle is where real struggle happens and stuff is there. In the middle is where real stories come from. The middle makes us appreciate the promised land. Without the middle, we can't celebrate the victory of the promised land. Without the middle... Let me just say this way. There's some people that were with you in the middle, and those are the real ones. How many know it's easy to get, gather people around you in the promised land over here when everything's going great? Come on, somebody. You know who the real, you know who the ride or die, you know who the real ones are? They're the ones that were with you in the middle. Not, not just in the good times, in the middle. I, I think we understand this, right? I think something inside of us, we get that the ones that are with us in the middle are significant. My wife and I, we, we recently, actually this last year, we celebrated being married for 30 years. Yeah, that's, that's good. And, and sometimes I think back on the 30 years. And I can just tell you this, right now I feel like, man, we're pretty good. Things are good, my, 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 man, I, I love her so much. I love spending time with her. We, we got a little, we're kind of getting our routine worked out. Our kids are growing up and out of the house. And so we just getting that 
whole new routine set up and it's good, but I can just tell you this, I can appreciate her so much more now in the season of favor that we're in because she was with me in the middle when we didn't have anything. She, I can't tell you how many times I sat across the table with just her, nobody else around, no fanfare, no prayer warriors, nobody else, just her and I crying over something that we're dealing with and maybe our kids and something that we're facing. And we've been through some stuff. So therefore I can tell you this, we're stronger in the promised land because of the season that we had in the middle. And some of you, you get, you're like, oh man, that's right. I got some friends that are that way. I've got, maybe it's your spouse or somebody with you. I got, yeah, they're, they're that way as well. But I'll just say, say it this way. Me and Jesus, we got some time in the middle. We've been through some things in the middle. Come on, somebody. I can believe him now. Not just because I'm, I'm doing pretty good right now, but I can believe him now because of what he brought me out of. Because he didn't leave me or forsake me in the middle of my stupid decisions and mistakes. Oh, come on, somebody. Sometimes we get ourselves in a mess because of our own choices, but guess what? He is faithful. He's right there in the middle. Even when I've been unfaithful, God, you have always been faithful to me. You're a good God. You, you're with me in the middle. That's who he is. Memorials help us remember, then I'll close with this thought. Memorials help us tell the story. Memorials help us to remember, which is good for us, but then also memorials help us tell the story. Um, in, in the sixth and seventh verses there that we read, um, it said, in the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them and remind them what God did for you. And I love that. He's saying like, like it's not just about you, it's about generations that are to come. That what God does for you, can I just say this? What God does for you is not just for you. What God does for you is not just for you. It's for those around you. It's for your immediate family. It's for your church family. It's for your, your community. It's, it's, it's for more than just you. And so I, I love that, but, but when we build memorials, it should help us to tell the story about other people. I think that we, as a, a, a group of believers, we need to be better at building memorials so that we remember and so that we can tell the story to other people. Well, Pastor, that's great, but how do we build memorials today? I'm not gonna stack in stones around and you know, like that doesn't really make sense in our culture. You know what, here's, here's one idea, um, post-it notes. You know, post-it notes, they stick and you can write on them and you put stuff down. Like some of you guys, it would do you well to, to just put some post-it notes of the things that God has done somewhere that you're gonna see them. Anybody here ever been in a bad car accident, but you lived through it, you survived, you're here today still and you've been through some. Okay, so I see some hands up. You ought to have a post-it note on somewhere on your dash. Don't block the controls, you need to see those. But you know, I put it, put it somewhere else where you can see it, right? And just, rem and just maybe put a scripture or verse, something that God did, that, that God's saving power saved you and brought you through. Some of you, man, you need to put it on the, on the mirror in your, in your bathroom so you see it in the morning of his mercies are new every day and you remember, you're reminded of God's goodness. But man, just put it somewhere where, you, where you're gonna see it. I'm gonna say for most of us, we can put it on the refrigerator. We're, we're sure to see that. Come on, come on somebody, like put it right there. Talk about how good God's faithfulness is. And then when you remind yourself how good God is, remember to tell somebody about it. How do we do that? Post it online. 
post it to your social media about how good God is. When God does something good for you, let everybody know. Tell somebody around you. When we gather together on Sundays, part of what we should be doing is sharing the goodness of God with one another. Oh man, God came through for me this week. Let me tell you about how he did this and how he did that. Start to share your story because here's the, the reason why. Our culture desperately needs the information that you have, the information about how good our God is. They need to hear it and know it. So we, so we got to open up. Man, we got to let them know. The way we communicate has changed, right? In our culture today, everything like, like it's, all, it's all online, it's all there. We, we are an information-driven culture. If you wanna know if something is good, if you wanna know if you wanna eat at a restaurant, how many know that you will never walk into a restaurant that you never heard of, that you never checked Yelp on? Come on, somebody that you, know, you, you wanna make, if you're going to a restaurant you've never been to, the first thing you do, you open up Yelp, find out some reviews, look at some pictures of that food, find out, make sure it ain't no mess you don't wanna go to. Why, we're information driven. You wanna go somewhere, you pull out your phone, it's got maps, we'll give you all the information you need to get there. I'm old school, I, I, I like maps, but I, I'll use a Thomas guide. Come on, somebody. How many some old people in the house today? With, okay, a few of you. <laughs> All I'm gonna tell you is this, you got the information, share it. Why is it that the people with the best information are the quietest people in our current culture and state? Right now we elevate the voices of people who have nothing to say. Simply because they're pretty, simply because they've got a following, simply because they've got whatever, we elevate people who have nothing to say. And I'm just gonna tell you this, it's time to reverse that. It's time for the people who have something to say to begin to share what they have to say. I'm gonna close with this thought. Um, if you're here and, and uh, you're like, man, yeah, I need to be better at remembering God and how good God is. And then I also need to tell somebody about it. Um, I, I just, man, I wanna challenge you today. This may not be something you do on a regular basis, um, and that's all right with me, but I, I just want you to know this. God is so good and he loves you so much that regardless of what you came in carrying today, he sent me here just to remind you that he's good, that he loves you, that he wants good for you, that he, he's been working on your behalf. Even if you're here and you're, you're, you're not even yet a believer, you're not a follower of Christ yet, I can guarantee you if you'd look back, you'll see God has been working and moving and doing something in your life, leading you up to this point. So I'm just wanna tell us like, hey, let's stop to remember how good God is. In fact, for a moment, can we do this? Let's just close our eyes and bow our heads. We're not looking around, no, nothing else is going on. Let's just start to remember how good God has been to us. In fact, if you're here and he's been good to you, why don't you just lift up a hand or maybe both of your hands and just begin to thank him. God, we just thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness over us. God, we're sorry for how often we just take for granted your goodness and how you flow and how you move and how you've been working on us. Man, you've done miracle after miracle in our lives and sometimes we just move on to the next thing we forget so quickly. So God, I just pray today that we would remember you and how good you are. I thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give it up for God today? Can we give him our best praise today? Say, so, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Now I want to do one more thing before I get off this stage. I want to ask if you're here and you're outside of a relationship with Jesus, and today you want to change that. 
today you wanna say, you know what, I believe that God is good and I wanna know his goodness for myself. I want him to be my God. I need to commit my life to living for him. I'm not currently living for him, but man, I want to live for him. If you're here and that's you, I, man, I never wanna let a service pass without giving you an opportunity to come to know this king because he is so, so good. So if you're here right now and you say, you know what, pastor, would you pray for me? Man, I just need Jesus in my life. I need Christ in my life. Can you lift up? I'm not asking you to, everybody to close their eyes again. If you're here and you say, yep, that's me, pastor, would you pray for me? Would you just lift up your hand today? Say, yep, pastor, would you pray? I see your hand. Somebody else say, yep, God, I, I need you in my life. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Yep. Amen. 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 Hey, let's pray this confirming prayer with him. Say, Jesus, everyone in the house, say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God lived life without sin, died on the cross for my sin, and rose on the third day with the power to save me. I receive your forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen.